0: Welcome to Uncovered, the new podcast series that goes behind the headlines to give you an in-depth look at the stories that matter. I'm Kelly Crichton and in each episode I'll be joined by the national world reporters who are working to bring information to light and hold those in power accountable. We'll be revealing the journalistic work that goes into the team's investigations and highlighting some important stories we think you need to know about but have gone uncovered in the wider media. Today, I'm joined by Carly Roberts, data reporter with National World, to talk about a series of stories she's written around the surge in spiking attacks in the UK. Using Freedom of Information requests, Carly has established that spiking incidents have been on the rise in recent years, even before reports of victims being spiked by needles began emerging in October this year. An increase in these reports has led to campaigners organising boycotts of nightclubs as they press for tighter measures. But Carly's investigation has found perpetrators of spiking whether that's drink spiking or by any other method, are very unlikely to be tracked down and brought to justice. Hi, Carly. Please tell us about how prevalent the crime of administering a
1: substance with intent has become. Hi, Kelly. So for the listeners, administering a substance with intent means to give someone a substance with intent to stupefy or overpower them to engage in sexual activity. So it was introduced in the 2003 Sexual Offences Act because MPs wanted a new offence at the time, to cover all instances of drink spiking or other spiking where there was a sexual motive. So, in some instances before this offence was created and even now, police may record some instances of what we would consider spiking under different offences like the old administer poison with intent to injure or annoy from the 1800s. So the time period I'm looking at is the five years between 2016 and 2020 where well, there were 803 crimes recorded by police forces in England and Wales, according to an FOI to the Home Office. I found that spiking was the most prevalent in London, where three offences took place per 100,000 residents, which was more than the national average of 1.4 offences. And you found this crime was under the rise pre-pandemic, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So between 2016 and 2019, ahead of the first pandemic year, there was an increase of 67% in spiking crimes, that is, of administering a substance with intent. So in 2016, 128 recorded crimes were logged by 40 police forces in England and Wales, a further 153 in 2017, 119, in 2018, 214 in 2019, and then in 2020, there was just 118. So what's particularly alarming to me is in 2020 there were just 10 fewer reported incidents than in the whole of 2016, despite lockdowns and the nighttime economy only being fully open for three months. These instances are all police-recorded crimes, which means that they are confirmed offences reported to the police and investigated. You also found there was a concern with under-reporting of this crime. So recorded crime is not the same thing as how prevalent a crime is. I know from talking to experts who work with victims of spiking that many cases do go underreported because of embarrassment or because victims feel as though they won't be believed. And often it's too late for them to get a toxicology report by the time they've actually realised what's happened I spoke to Helena Coninbear, Chief Executive Officer at the Alcohol Education Trust, who says there is a real problem with underreporting of spiking among young people.
2: What we know is that there's a huge shortage of figures around drink spiking. Young people confide in us around instances of drink spiking, and in most cases it's never reported. So once drink spiking hit the headlines, you know, over the last month, we conducted a a snap poll amongst all the different settings we work with. So over four and a half thousand across the UK and nearly a thousand young people responded aged 16 to 25. We had 747 respondents and out of those respondents, uh, 94 of those had been spiked and um, a further 26 of them thought they might have been spiked. So that's quite a a scary statistic in itself. But out of those young people who've been spiked, only 8% of them had reported it. The statistics that you have are those cases that have been reported, but we really believe that that's the tip of the iceberg. Your research has found that women are five
0: times
1: more likely to be a victim of spiking attacks than men. Yeah, sadly, that's correct. So one of my first findings from the police data held by the Home Office was that women are almost five times more likely to be spiked than men in England and Wales. So my findings show that 602 women were attacked between 2016 and 2020, and men were spiked 133 times. These numbers only include crimes where the sex of the victim is recorded, so we know that there are further 64 incidences where the sex wasn't recorded, as only 739 instances out of the 803 could be broken down by sex.
0: And these stats don't actually include instances where a suspect was charged with a more serious crime, is that correct?
1: Yeah, that is correct. So this is really interesting. The Home Office spaces its crime counting on the principal offence, which means if a suspect is charged and or prosecuted with more than one offence, only the principal offence is recorded for data collection purposes. So a principal offence is the most serious one, usually, but not always defined by the one that has the most serious maximum sentence in law, which might be rape. So the maximum sentence for spiking is 10 years, but the maximum sentence for rape is life. So rape would take precedence here. In other words, when I'm looking at these spiking cases which have a sexual motive, I can only tell the number of offenders charged for administering a substance with intent. But I won't be able to see those where the offender went on to commit a rape if they were also charged with that rape. So the true scale of so-called day rape offences is invisible. Sexual assault also has a maximum sentence of 10 years. So it's unclear whether spikings that resulted in a sexual assault are likely to be included or not. It depends on which one is being treated as the principal offence here. This investigation has prompted the Rape Crisis Charity for England and Wales to call for clearer ways of data recording so the public can know the full picture of how serious sexually motivated spiking attacks are.
0: The Good Night Out campaign work with nightlife spaces and organisations to prevent sexual harassment and assault. What is their take on this?
1: So Bryony Bennon, the co-founder of the charity, has a really insightful take on the nighttime economy through her work training staff. She said that often women are given tips and tricks, cautioning us to watch our drinks and take other steps from using stoppers or even buying testing kits. Well-meaning, as some of this advice may be, it does shift the responsibility for the behaviour, choosing to tamper with someone's drink from the person who has made that choice to the person they are targeting. She said by far the most common drug used to spike drinks is cheaply available behind every bar, which is alcohol. In their training sessions, many nightlife staff still blame women who experience spiking for having got too drunk. Perpetrators rely heavily on this social attitude to carry out their crimes, as a woman who has been drugged may be indistinguishable from someone who has drunk too much. Women who have told the charity about door security ignoring them or treating them as a nuisance for this reason, She said the lack of care creates a perfect storm for perpetrators to remove them from the premises under the guise of looking after them and the cycle needs to be broken. Sadly,
0: by the nature of this crime, it might not be immediately apparent to a victim that they've been attacked.
1: Yes, Helena Coninber explained how in some circumstances it can take some time for victims to piece together what has happened.
2: So where it hadn't been reported because it was too late, there's three stages that we find that young people go through. So the first one is sort of confusion and they're not quite sure what happened. And it's only when they've gone back to the venue or to the party where the spiking took place and spoken to their friends and piece things together. And they've realized that perhaps they've only had one or two drinks or... Uh, The effects were so different from any Mm. symptoms of drunkenness they might have had before. Though, of course, you must realize that a lot of the signs are very similar, such as passing out, confusion, slurred speech. And it's only when they've pieced things together that they realize that they have been spiked. So that's the first stage, piecing it together. The second stage is sort of disbelief, if you like, and, you know, how could this have happened to me? And then the third stage is anger. And by the time they get to this sort of anger stage and wanting to do something about it, you know, it's too late, you know, substances only stay in your bloodstream for, you know, for 12 to 24 hours.
1: For those crimes that are reported, what is the outcome of these cases? Besides looking at the number of crimes recorded, National World also looked at what was the outcome for cases that have been closed. Out of the 839 outcomes recorded between 2016 and so far in 2021, there were only 19 charges, which is just 2.3%. Other cases may have been dropped due to a lack of evidence or the victim not wanting to support further action or no suspect was ever identified. I also took a look at Ministry of Justice data to find out what happened to the same crimes when they reached court. So in the data... There were 49 prosecutions over a slightly different time frame here. This time between 2017 and 2020, because that's the latest available data the Ministry of Justice had published publicly. So 37 of those had resulted in conviction. This is despite the fact that there have been 675 recorded crimes in that time. These figures are not based on the principal offence in this instance, but on any court cases that involved a charge of spiking. When looking at separate Ministry of Justice data that is based on the principal offence, there were only four prosecutions. This implies the vast majority of cases that make it to court are those that also involve a more serious offence, such as rape, and that those that just concern a spiking alone seemingly don't have a strong chance of making it to court. What do the police have to say about this? So when I spoke to the Met Police after understanding that spiking cases were most common in London per 100,000 people, a spokeswoman told me that while capturing the correct figures, the crime was complex. Early findings suggest that, thankfully, incidences of drink spiking are relatively low. They did acknowledge them to be increasing. She went on to say that officers across the Met work hard all year round to keep revellers safe in London's licensed premises. And recently, officers have been rolling out their safety initiative, Ask for Angela, at many venues across London. So this means that people who feel unsafe, vulnerable or threatened, including those who think their drink has been spiked, can discreetly seek help by approaching venue staff and asking them for Angela. So I also spoke to the National Police Chiefs Council, which is working with the forces to understand the scale of spiking. They told me between September and November the 8th this year, UK police forces recorded 274 reports of incidences involving some form of injection, which are being monitored by the National Police Chiefs Council. So the National Police Chiefs Council lead for drugs, Deputy Chief Constable Jason Harwin said... Police forces are investigating instances and continue to work with pubs and clubs to increase searches and guidance to staff. The Home Office has said the Home Secretary is receiving regular updates. A spokeswoman said the police are taking this issue extremely seriously and dedicating both local and national resources to investigating it. She also said the Home Office urges anyone with information on these instances to contact their local force. So we know reports of these crimes are on the
0: rise. We also believe it's not being reported as much as it should be. What is being done to tackle this issue?
1: So Helena Conenberg from the Alcohol Education Trust is hopeful that reports of spiking will rise as media reporting has raised the profile of the issue and subsequently the nighttime economy will now be more vigilant. She told me what she believes needs to be
2: done. This is something we've really really got to do something about so for everybody to take it seriously whether it's the police uh, whether it's a and e the gp whether it's student welfare services or the venue 35 percent of drinks spiking cases the most popular uh, sorry the most commonplace we found was actually private parties uh, rather than clubs and that's because clubs tend to have um, door staff and cctv Footage. So if we're going to increase the level of charging, it means that everybody's got to pull together. So first of all, if anybody has any suspicion that their drink has been spiked, please, please report it. Secondly, we have to ensure that GPs and A&E and the police do take it seriously. And blood and urine tests are taken, so there is some evidence base. And we'd also ask um, pubs and clubs to have drink spiking testing kits behind the bar so that if somebody thinks their drink has been spiked, it can be tested there and then. That will make a big difference. And of course, making accessibility to CCTV footage and ensuring that all bar staff and door staff are well-trained. All those things will make a huge difference to conviction rates and a much higher increase of drink spiking being reported to the right authorities. By far, the most common form of spiking is of drinks and not only alcoholic drinks. So again, of the 94 young people who are brave enough to come to us with their stories of how their drinks have been spiked, In 23% of cases, the drinks were non-alcoholic ones, and the places where drinks have been spiked were from cafes, believe it or not, right through to, as I say, private parties, house parties. And the really awful thing about that is it means it's usually somebody then in their wider friendship group. You know, it's not stranger danger. Spiking quite often seems to be just for spiking's sake. There's no further offense. There's not a sexual assault or there isn't theft. You know, what is the motivation of these people? It is a serious criminal offence, and somebody can face up to 10 years in jail if they are convicted. So we've got to call drink spikers out. It's not funny in any way, and we've got to ensure there are more convictions.
0: Thank you for joining me today, Carly. You can find a series of articles around this surge in spiking attacks on nationalworld.com. I'll be back again soon with more analysis of the stories that matter.